I invite you to join me in Psalm 37, uh, the passage I read just a, a couple moments ago, walking through verses 1 through 9, and our theme for the Word this morning is life-giving wisdom and faith-stretching times. Life-giving wisdom and faith-stretching times. Very possible that in this room, currently, are individuals, people, families that are discerning, praying through, working through uh, what we'll just call a major decision in your life. Uh, There's a lot riding on this kind of crucible moment of decision. Uh, We all know that all decisions are not created equal, and some are way easier than others, but we also have either been there, like I said, might be there, where the decision that you're needing to make, having to make, uh, you realize what's on the line, you realize the far-reaching ripple effect and circumstances of this decision that you're going to make, and it's possible that as you're thinking through, processing this decision that... It is very possible that maybe anxiety and stress and even worry are just kind of crouching at the door, waiting to take over at any moment because so much is on the line. Uh, And so they come in all shapes and sizes, but it could be a relational decision. It could be a vocational decision. It could be a locational decision. And you're working through the, the, the massiveness of this decision. You get to this place where you're like, I need somebody's voice other than mine to speak into what I'm working through, what I'm praying through, what I'm walking through. And so maybe you pick up your phone and you start scrolling through your contacts because you know you need to talk to somebody. And so you start thinking about those people who... Who, who you know and they know you. You think about those people who love you and you love them. You think about those people who trust you and you trust them. You think about those people you respect and you respect them. You think about those people who, if you call and you know what you're going to talk about, you know there's a risk in this call because you know because they know, love, and trust you, and you know and love and trust them that They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. And the conversation goes something like this. You you pick up the phone. You're in this moment. And they pick up the phone. You say something like, hey, you know, fill in the blank with that person's name. Do you have some time that we could talk? And if you could read between the lines, what you're really saying is, can you please stop whatever you're doing? I'm walking through a major thing right now. And can you come to me or I'll come to you? Or can we meet somewhere and have a meal, drink a cup of coffee? Because what I'm working through and talking through, I need outside wisdom. I need outside help. And I feel in a lot of ways that this is that meeting. This is that phone call with God. This, uh, I mentioned maybe even in the prayer time, I feel like I said it somewhere since we've been together. This psalm was so faith-forming in my life and serves as such an incredible gift to us as believers on this path forward when we know there's a lot on the line and we need wisdom. We don't need earthly wisdom, we need godly wisdom and God is going to give us wisdom from Him through this psalm and He's going to give 
this wisdom to us through one of his servants named King David. And it's the Holy Spirit who inspired King David to write this psalm. And King David, at this point, this psalm is a seasoned voice. It's a seasoned voice. He's older, he's wiser, he's mature. Uh, He is this seasoned king because in verse 25 of Psalm 37, the Bible says this, King David says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. So we don't 100% know why King David wrote this psalm. He might be, obviously he's older, and so maybe he's sensing his time on the throne in Jerusalem is coming to a close. King Solomon, his son, is going to be taking up the, the throne, and maybe he's wanting to pour this wisdom into Solomon. Maybe he's wanting to pour in wisdom to the nation of Israel, because it's going to happen, and we've experienced it too. Solomon is going to face this, the nation of Israel is going to face this, and maybe you face this where it's either, okay, do I run or do I remain? Do I flee or do I stand firm? Do I allow anger and frustration and jealousy to rule my heart or do I allow God and His peace and His will to reign in my life? And so if you're there, I encourage you to lean in. And if you're not there, odds are good that these type of decisions are coming. And they're coming perhaps quicker than we may realize. And King David, the Holy Spirit through King David to Solomon, to the nation of Israel and to us, is going to give us this incredible wisdom, life-giving wisdom in these very faith-stretching times. And he begins with a word of warning So in verse 1, the Bible says, Fret not, Psalm 37 verse 1, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Alright? Fret not yourself. Now, generic question here. Does anybody know what happens at 212 degrees Fahrenheit? Just shout it out. Anybody know? Boiling point. Alright, that's the temperature... That everything changes. Like everything is not boiling and then everything is boiling. <laughs> like it makes that turn. That's that tipping point. And that word fretting is, is speaking to that, that moment. It speaks of being incensed. It means to be hot. It means to be furious. It means to burn up with anger or boil with anger at the evildoers and the wrongdoers. It's a tipping point on when anger, the emotion of anger begins to rise up and feels like it's taking over. Now there is a righteous anger and God teaches us about that righteous anger in Ephesians 4. But if you'll notice, this anger is tied to this and be not envious of wrongdoers. Like there's an anger that rises up at the wicked and the evil and the wrongdoers and it spurs on this type of boiling point type of anger. It's the thing that leads us to the place of saying things like, it's just not fair. Like it's just not fair. So maybe like by God's grace, with God's help, you do everything right. You strive to walk in integrity honor the Lord, and yet it seems like the wicked, at least from your perspective, continues to prosper, and here you are just trying to squeak 
by. It's the same question that pops up in the book of Job. Where from the outside looking in, it's like, why do bad things happen to good people? And why does it seem good things happen to bad people? It's this, it's this, uh, this frustration and this anger. But King David, in, 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 in essence, is giving this warning. Hey, and, and this is, would be in our language. Take a breather. Like maybe you've picked up the phone or you've come to this meeting and you're, you're almost at 212 degrees. You're fretting. You are anger. And it's rising up. And the very first thing King David says is, take a breather. Chill out. I <laughs> mean, maybe in, a, in, a, in another version, right? Um, cool down. Because what do we know? Very little good happens when we're angry. Matter of fact, most of us do things we regret when it's been done out of anger. And so King David, in all the wisdom, is saying, hey, I'm going to show you the path forward, but first things first, take a deep breath. Cool down. Let your emotions relax. And then he gives perspective in verse 2. He says, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. It's a sobering truth. It's a sobering truth that yes, all people enjoy this common grace from God. Like this this grace upon grace. And and yet we are also reminded that eternal judgment awaits the wicked. That the wicked, the evildoers, those who live apart from a relationship with King Jesus, that grace they're benefiting from and that we even observe in the world is passing. It's soon to pass away. Uh, we've gotten a ton of rain here just Friday and then this morning through the night. And that sun's going to pop out. And when it does, it's going to be hot. And that sun's going to shine. And what's going to happen? You're going to look outside and literally see your grass like grow a mile by just looking at it. Because, because like it's just as green as can be. But what we know is this. The green grass is not always green. Because it's summer right now. And it's green and it's growing. Your gardens are probably flourishing right now. But guess what? Summer's going to give way to fall. And fall's going to give way to winter. The season is not forever. This season that we're in, it is passing. It is fleeting. And this is what King David is reminding us of. And so with the emotion settled and giving us perspective with this long view of life, He says then in verse 3, this command, this great instruction, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? Do you trust His Word? Do you trust that He says He truly does work all things together for the good to those who love Him? And who are called according to His purpose. Do you trust that He has a plan for your life? Do you trust He has a purpose for every day that He blesses you with the breath of life? Do you really trust that He is faithful? It says, trust in the Lord. The the picture there is this, I don't have any other option but to trust. That's the picture of this word. Uh, in the, the, the root meaning or idea of the word is to be laying face down on the ground, 
to have your feet out from underneath you with no visible means of support. All you have is trust in God. That's the trust that's pictured here. But there's all kinds of options in this world. All kinds of options in our life. Y'all all had options on you know, maybe getting dressed in the dark, depending on if you didn't have power or not, and, and to come on. But, but the thing is this, we look in Genesis 3, and Adam and Eve had options. They, 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 uh, they were created in the image of God. God created them, male, female, He created them, created them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with the, the glory of God. That was the plan. He gave them one warning, one instruction, one don't. And that one don't was, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat anything. It's all yours. Just not that tree. And I wasn't there. I don't know what the conversation between Adam and Eve looked like. We have what Scripture has given us. But there was a war that was going on in that decision where it ultimately came down to, I don't trust God. I think I know better. And so I'm going to reject trusting God, and I'm going to, I'm going to trust in my, my desire. And we all see how that all worked out. I mean, we, we feel the effects of it every single day. It's why we look in the world and see such great brokenness. It's because underlying that decision was a God, I don't trust you. I'm taking a better option, or at least that's what I think is a better option. And again, they chose not to trust God. They had other options. But then we see other times in Scripture where it's the opposite. Y'all are familiar with the great exodus, God leading His people out of Egypt, hearing their cries, raising Moses up, providing the Passover lamb, eat it in haste because it's time to go. And they're on their way out and they're marching toward freedom. They're marching towards the land of promise. But Pharaoh has this decision like, no, I don't want them to go. I changed my mind. And he gets his army and they just start going for him and pressing in. Again, I don't know what it was like, but I want you to imagine being in that, the nation of Israel at that moment, the Israelites, and you're, you're feeling Pharaoh and his army pressing in on you and, and you see this body of water that God has led you to and there aren't bridges, there aren't boats, there's not a quick route around either way, and yet all they can do is trust God, and God shows Himself trustworthy. How? By making a way where there was no way. God's faithful, He's trustworthy. I'm reading a book right now called Where Faith is Forbidden, and, and it's, a, it's a book on those serving on the front lines, persecuted countries, and uh, so Todd goes to China to meet with this pastor to encourage him and to be a blessing to him. And in his mind, he's going to China to minister to this, this couple, this pastor, who he understands they gather as a church. They're an unregistered church, gather as a church every Tuesday. But every Tuesday morning, the authorities show up and they take the pastor and they put him in jail until the next day, every Tuesday morning, the pastor literally, when he gets up on Tuesdays, he packs a jail bag with him because he knows he's going to jail. And so he goes to meet with this pastor, with his wife. He finds them. He expects to see this pastor all like, 
you know, just like worn down and, and frustrated and anxious and worried and, and just, just all this. But the opposite was true. He says he walks in and the pastor is smiling and he's full of joy. He's got his gel bag packed and he's heading out the door. And Todd, he looks to this pastor's wife and says this, don't you worry about him? Like, don't you worry about him? And listen to her, her answer. She says, why should I be worried? God will take care of him. <laughs> That's trust in the Lord. Just this week, a, a dear brother and friend that many of you know was getting results from a PET scan to show what, what was going to be the news. And the text that I got on that day was, we are thankful for the medication and the doctors, but God is in control. This trust in God. Why? Because He's true, because He's holy, because He's unchanging, because He's omniscient, because He's just, because of what my brother said. He's in control. He's trustworthy. It's been said that when Jesus is all you have, you learn that Jesus is all you need. That Jesus is enough. But He says, trust in God and do good. Trust in God and do good. In other words, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. God has gifted you with every day you got. God's got purpose for you. Trusting God and good works are always go hand in hand. Uh, Tony Evans is one of my heroes in the faith. And I've shared this before, but I love this little one-liner. He says, we're not saved by works, but we are saved to work. There's a work that he's given us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul says in Galatians 6-9, don't grow weary in doing good. Because isn't it so easy to grow weary in doing good? But what does King David says once we've cooled down? He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Don't slack. Don't throw a pity party. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. God's going to take care of you. And then in verse 3, he says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell in the land. King David, again, my hunch, he must have said this because he knew there were going to be days where they would want to run. There are going to be days when Solomon's going to be like, this king thing isn't what I signed up for. Like, it'd be way easier. I'm, I'm going to grab a chariot and sneak out at night. I'm getting out of here. Or even the, the Israelites would be tempted to run and tempted to leave. But it's been said that God is yet to bless a person where they are not, but rather where they are. And so God is, God is going to prove His trustworthiness. To, to leave the land of promise would be essentially to say, God, I don't trust you. Because God has given them this land. God has provided this land. Some of your translations may say, remain in the land, enjoy safe pastures, befriend faithfulness, feed on His faithfulness, enjoy security, cultivate faithfulness. If you're faithful to God, God will be faithful to you and you don't have to worry. So again, God says, or God through King David, calm down, trust in the Lord, and then He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 4. Perhaps a favorite verse of many, and perhaps an anchor that you have held on to your entire life. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of 
your heart. That word delight speaks of, uh, speaks of being brought up in luxury. It speaks to being pampered. Anybody like being pampered in the house? All right. Okay, nobody? That's cool. <laughs> I'm just like, no, of course you do. Of course you do. But this is what King David is saying. King David is encouraging us to delight in God. In other words, reflect on the abundant blessings that God has blessed you with. That He's blessed you with. That these incredible riches that God has blessed us with. He says over in Ephesians 3, 8, Paul says it this way. He, he, he describes them as the unsearchable riches of Christ. He goes on in Ephesians 1 to lay some of those out. But he talks about the redemption of His blood. In other words, the price that is due for our freedom, He paid for us. Like There is no redemption apart from Jesus shedding His blood for us on the cross. He goes on to speak about the forgiveness. Mankind's greatest need all over this world is the need to be forgiven. And yet God in His unsearchable riches has gifted us with this blessing of forgiveness in Him. That we see that in these unsearchable riches are the mystery of His will, the message of truth, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and a guarantee of the inheritance that awaits us when this, this life is over. These unsearchable riches delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desire of your heart. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5-6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Well, what is to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Who is righteous? It's Christ. Just a few verses later, Jesus is telling us how to pray. He says in Matthew 6, 8, When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, what is the reward? The reward is Him. The reward is Himself. King David is saying, delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, treasure Christ above everything and everyone. That He is the only one who is worthy to be treasured. And it sounds harsh, but it is true. If there is anything or any person that is treasured above Christ in our lives, that thing or that person is called an idol. Uh, I forget who said it, but some famous theologian said our hearts are like idol factories. And so the encouragement here is delight yourself in the Lord. Never get over the unsearchable riches that He's given. He's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's given the gift of His presence. He's given you the gift of an inheritance that no one can take away. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. What is the desire of the heart that delights in God. It's just more of God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse 3. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. We all understand what that word commit means. We've, we've all made commitments. You've made commitments to your teachers. you made commitment to your coaches. you made commitment to your places of business. you made commitment to your spouses. Uh, you made commitment in relationships and friendships. And, and there's all these commitments that are involved we get that but what is what does he say he says commit your way to the Lord every single one of us have a way that way literally means lifestyle 
Commit your lifestyle, your way of life to the Lord. That this speaks of the well-traveled path that you take. It speaks of the rhythms and the habits and the ways and the words and the thoughts and the deeds of your life. That well-traveled path that you take every day. King David says, commit your lifestyle to the Lord. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. That word means to roll onto Him, which is essentially saying everything I am and everything I am, everything I have, everything I am, I entrust into your care. I roll onto you. I trust you. I commit my lifestyle to you. I roll my way onto you. Everything I have, everything I am in your hands. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. In other words, commit your lifestyle to the Lord. Roll your life into His plan and His way and His will. He's going to act. He's going to pull through. God blesses the life that's yielded to Him. And so it could be that there is this lack of rest in your life. This lack of peace. And the question that's good for all of us to ask is, Is there any way in us that does not reflect a delight in the Lord? That does not result or or point to a rest and a grace in His design? He will act. King David says, cool down, gain perspective, trust in the Lord, delight in Him, commit your way to Him, and then rest. Rest. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Isn't it funny like King David's going back to repeat the same thing he said to start the psalm? Like sometimes don't we find ourselves going back to those things that like we, we kind of get sucked back into. But King David's like, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't go there. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man who carries out evil devices, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. And here, the Holy Spirit through King David says for us to do the hardest thing in the world. And that is, be still. Like, if I just, I'm almost tempted to do this, but I want to honor everybody's time. I'm almost tempted to just say, hey, like, let's just sit in complete silence. For like five minutes. We're not going to do it. But even after 10 seconds, it's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I don't want, but no, like it is true when we're still and we know that he's God, Psalm 46, verse 10. When we're still and we realign our hearts toward heaven. And we are reminded that with just a word, stars are made. That God, it's not a problem to like part a sea for His people to walk on dry ground. When we remember that He's God, there is a rest that comes. It speaks of a calm, peaceable surrender. It's where peace comes from. When we stop, when we remember that God is God and who we are, we can find rest. And that while we're waiting, God is always working. While we're waiting, God is always working. I, I grew up, and, and there's this song, and, and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's an old like gospel song. It's, he's an on-time God. And I don't know if you've 
Ever heard that psalm that he's an on-time God? Yes, he is. And I just kind of thought about that because we have our timetable. We're like the clock is ticking. Like what's going on? Does God not see? Does God not know? But God is faithful and he's trustworthy as you commit your way to him. Trust in him. Roll everything you are and everything you have in him. He's going to act. Corey Tim Boom said this, Look around and you'll be distressed. Look within and you'll be depressed. Look to the Lord and you'll be at rest. And you can't rest until you trust. It all starts with a trust in the Lord. And when you trust in the Lord and you delight in Him, He's your greatest treasure, you commit your way to Him, you will find rest for your weary soul. Verse 9, we'll wrap up here. He says, and he's going to remind us again, perspective, perspective, for the evildoers shall be cut off. That eternal judgment awaits the wicked, the evil, those apart from a relationship with Jesus. But King David says, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. So King David's bringing that perspective but those who trust the Lord, they will inherit the land. The Israelites, where we're reading, they, they are in the land of promise. And, and yes, that is a very physical reality for them in that moment. But it's a spiritual reality for all of us who live in Olive Branch. Is that you're in Christ. Is that this world, this city, this community is not our home. That as... Children being adopted into the family of God through repentance and faith. We receive all the benefits and inheritance of our Heavenly Father. And we see that for the believer that God is faithful to lead us today. And lead us tomorrow. And lead us ultimately home. Hebrews 11 verse 13. After God uh, has given us this incredible hall of faith. These great men and women of faith. He says this in verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. Isn't that interesting? Like, as believers, we are strangers and exiles in this earth. In other words, this isn't home. It is home, but it's our temporary home. It's just for a little while. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pass away. We're strangers. We're exiles. That's how they saw their life. Verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to go back. But as it is, they desire a better country. I love that. Speaking of the inheritance, the better country awaits. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for He has prepared them for a city. This heavenly residence in heaven. And why is it heaven? Because Jesus is there. The treasure of our heart. The only one worthy of glory and honor and praise. We are with Him forever and ever. And so King David, Holy Spirit, through Him to us says, Take a breath perspective, perspective. This comes from the wise, seasoned leader who knows his time is limited here. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. Befriend 
faithfulness. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He's going to act. Be still. Know that He is God. And the rest that comes in committing your way to Him is such a blessing. God is faithful. Can anybody testify that God is faithful in this room today? He's so faithful. He's so faithful. So worthy of our praise. And so I pray this psalm, this song, this prayer, perhaps would stir up a renewed sense of love for the Lord and His faithfulness to us. I mentioned I was in New Orleans this past week. And so like I haven't been to New Orleans in like 20 years. 20 years ago, I was an insurance agent in Corinth, Mississippi. And God ultimately revealed He was calling me to pursue vocational ministry And when I did, I was like, I need to be trained. I prayed, I sought the Lord, and I went to New Orleans. And and so moved down to New Orleans and went to school down there. And and so 20 years ago, I was a seminary student down there. And about two and a half miles from the campus is this ocean that's not really an ocean. It's called Lake Pontchartrain. (laughs) If you've ever been there, it's massive. And so about once a week, I would get in my car and I would drive off campus and I would take my Bible and I would take my journal. And this is going to date me a little bit, but I took my Sony Walkman, uh, Walkman that you could play tapes on. And I went and there was this bench that I would just go, I would go sit at. I would, you know, like I said, once a week or sometimes I'd just go and I would go to this bench. And I would look over this vast lake, although it looks like an ocean, and I would just spend time with the Lord. And because like some of us, we can get in this place where we feel like we're wasting time. Like we're waiting for the next thing. And I battled that because I was in school and I kind of like, God, what are you going to do? Where are you going to lead? Where are you calling it? Like what's going on? But, I, but God never wastes a millisecond. Like every day is filled with purpose. And so I knew God was working in my life and I would go and I would pray. I'd be like, God, I don't know where you're going to lead me or where you're going to guide me, but God, I trust you. I commit my way to you. And this psalm just being that guide in that time. And, and so Thursday, this past Thursday, one of my boys was with me. He went with me. And I said, Sheppy, let's, let's go by where Daddy, Daddy, I want to show you this big thing that looks like the ocean. <laughs> and so we, we rode by and I found that same bench. We drove by that same bench. And it was so weird to kind of go to a place you haven't been in 20 years and remember how you prayed and sought the Lord. And then you go back 20 years later and you see and you're reminded of the faithfulness of God and how God filled all of those blanks in in His timing and in His grace and in His wisdom. That God would lead from that bench in New Orleans, ultimately to Tupelo for a season, and to Florida, to Owensboro, Kentucky, back to the very same church in Florida. Uh, God's grace blessing me with my lovely bride, our five children over time, God leading and guiding here. And just looking back and just praising God for His faithfulness. Hasn't God so faithful? He's so faithful. And so my encouragement today is perhaps this psalm might even stir up this renewed sense of praise to the Lord for His grace and faithfulness toward us because He is faithful and He is good. Perhaps... If we're honest, those emotions that King David warned us about, if we're honest, 
We're not at 212 degrees yet, but we're headed there. But yet King David is encouraging us, take a breather, gain perspective, take the long view. Trust in the Lord as if you have no other option. Your feet are out from underneath you and your head, you have, you're in a vulnerable place. All you can do is trust. God's going to show Himself trustworthy. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. A day is never wasted in God's economy. God desires to use you, grow you. That as we commit our way to the Lord, my lifestyle, my decisions, my thoughts, God, I commit my way to you. I trust you. I roll everything I am, everything I am onto you because you're trustworthy. He will act. He will act. And it's there that in the stillness we find the rest that honestly every soul is looking for. And there's only one place to get it. And that is through a life-giving relationship with Jesus. It's the only way. It's the only way. And so may we be encouraged. However, this life-giving wisdom from the Lord through King David finds its way into us. There's always a path forward. No day is ever wasted. And God will give the grace to guide us with each step as we're, and here it is, this is hard to get, hard for me to get, but I, I believe, I know it's true, is that like I'm not going to live forever. That literally I'm a stranger in this land. I'm an exile in this land. There is a better city that I'm headed toward. There is an inheritance that is waiting all the saints. And it will be in that day where we will be with our King forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so until then, there is a mission and there is a a way in which God has invited us through a relationship with Him to live for His glory in these days that we have. So let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your faithfulness, Your goodness, Your trustworthiness, Your power, Your in-chargeness, Your in-controlness. Father, that there is no need to worry There's no need to be anxious. There's no need to boil with anger at the wicked and the evil. And envy of them. But God, there's a bigger picture to all of this. And I pray, Father, that we would heed the life-giving instruction through your servant, King David. There's always a way forward. There's always a path forward. And I pray for that young lady, young man, um, young adult man, young adult lady, middle-aged man, middle-aged lady, senior adult man, senior adult lady. God, that we face these crucible moments and sometimes we don't know which way to go. But God, through your instruction as we trust in you, as we delight in You as our greatest treasure, as we commit our way to You, God, we'll find rest for our souls. And so, if there is anger that needs to be dealt with in our heart, I pray through Your grace and Your Holy Spirit, God, You would guide us to that place of peace that only comes through trusting You. I pray, Father, for uh, as we have um, perhaps placed idols 
in the only rightful place that belongs to you, God, we have found ourselves delighting in other things, other treasures than you. May we repent of that and glory and worship in you as the ultimate treasure. Father, I pray, God, that you will find us if there are any ways in our rhythms that don't delight or reflect an honoring of you. God, I pray we would turn from those life sucking things, those life-draining things, and rest in your grace and your forgiveness. Rest in the unsearchable riches that are found only through a relationship with you. So God, whatever that next step is, I pray, Father, we would be faithful to trust you in it and take it. And Father, if there's anybody here who is living outside of a personal relationship with you, I pray today would be the day of salvation acknowledging their sin, acknowledging their need for a Savior, turning to You, believing in Your perfect life, death, burial, and glorious resurrection, trusting and surrendering to You as Lord God, and You are faithful to save. So God, we love You. We praise You. Thank You, God, for loving us. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we... Wrap up our time in a song of response. Uh, Anytime we lay our hearts before the Word, there's an opportunity to respond to that Word. So I just pray we would be sensitive to whatever that is. Uh, We'll have pastors here who would love the blessing to pray for you, encourage you. Uh, But let's just give our hearts to the Lord in this time of worship and honor and glorify Him.